the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my turn. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. A program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Friends, it's great to be with you today on another January weekend. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. Of course, on our program, The Roger Franklin Williams Show, we talk about the issues that affect us in our community, our state, and our nation, and we do that from a perspective that honors America's founding traditions of God, family, country. I have a great show for you with great guests. Before we go to our first guest, I want to, of course, remind you that The Roger Franklin Williams Show is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster, and of course, as you know, Christner's is where you'll find generous servings of prime beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication. And you'll be hearing more about them later in our show. Right now, we're pleased to be joined in the studio by a man who has a very distinguished background in a variety of different ways. Uh, most, uh, he's a United States military veteran. He was an outstanding high school football player and played college football as well, but better known in recent years for his public service, uh, serving uh, for quite a while as state representative, representing us in Tallahassee, and most recently as the Lake County Supervisor of Elections, speaking, of course, about Alan Hayes. Alan, thank you for joining us. Great to have you joining us today. Thank you, Rogers. Good to be here. And, of course, uh, talking about relevant, I mean, I can't think of anything uh, in the office more relevant at this moment and in the year 2024 than our supervisor of elections offices, not only here locally, but across the country in all all 50 states. Uh, and you are on the front lines of that vital role. Can you start by telling us, just very, you know, um, give us an overview of the mission of your office as a supervisor of elections, specifically in Lake County, and, and the, the work that you do? Well, the obvious thing, of course, is to administer the elections. And it, it requires a great deal of time to go into the depth and, and the so deep in the weeds, so to speak, of all the different things that have to happen. I'm, I'm reminded frequently of people when they come for a tour through our office, invariably they leave shaking their heads saying, wow, I had no idea so many moving parts had to come together for us to experience that smooth election day experience um, at the polling places. But my job as the supervisor is to make sure that everything is in harmony for those big days on election day. A lot of activities leading up to it. We, of course, have to mail out our overseas ballots 45 days before the election. We mail all our domestic vote by mail ballots 
uh, a week later. Then, of course, we have to process all of those as they come in. We have to make sure all the early voting uh, workers are trained and ready to open the early voting sites on time, service all the voters there. And then, of course, Election Day, we have many, many more election workers that have to be trained and are ready to open up. And then, of course, we have to tabulate everything at the end of the election. So it's um, it's it's a very detailed, uh, voluminous uh, task, but it's uh, it's a challenge that we, we uh, just relish. Uh, we love the, the challenge of it. Um, I get to work every day with a great team of people that are dedicated to excellence in everything that they do. And we just really uh, feel privileged to be the supervisor of elections there in Lake County. You know, it's an awesome responsibility and appreciate uh, the role that you do and all of your co-workers um, mm-hmm. to, to make sure we have free and fair elections in America. Yeah, and, and there's no doubt uh, elections is going to be the continuing topic all through 2024. And one of the big messages that we try to convey to everybody early on, starting right now, please uh, check your voter registration status. If you aren't registered, you can go to the uh, individual county website and register there. You can go to the state website and register there. Um, you can go by your supervisor of elections offices. You can go to the uh, tax collector's offices and register there. Any number of ways. There, There's no excuse for somebody not to be registered if they want to be registered. And then we want those who are registered to take the time to find out about the candidates and the issues that they're going to be voting on. We want every eligible voter to register. We want every registered voter to be an informed voter. And then we want them to all come out on Election Day and vote. We're speaking with Alan Hayes on the Roger Frank and Williams show today, right now. Of course, he's the Lake County Supervisor of Elections. And as we just said a moment ago, it's a a vital role and the supervisors of elections will be forefront uh, all year this year as we approach a very important presidential election. And that's an incredible understatement. Um, Now, Alan, can you share a little, what, what are some things, obviously, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I think everybody knows that, you know, a certain segment, a certain, a lot of people, if you will, didn't necessarily feel confident, if you will, in certain areas of the country that uh, in in the process of the election. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you have, that's a major topic, of course, on our stations. It's a major topic in America is that um, you know, a number of people felt maybe the elections uh, lacked some integrity, the outcome of the presidential election. Um, can What can you say from your role as a supervisor of elections that can maybe help put people's uh, mind at ease a little bit uh, about the integrity of the process? Roger, I prefer to speak only to that which I know about, because I can speak with intimate knowledge of what goes on in Lake County and what goes on in the state of Florida. And I have unfettered confidence that our elections here in Florida are indeed the model for election administration throughout the entire country. If if all states and all counties conducted their elections as we do here in Florida, the voters would have no doubt about the integrity of what's going on. It's very, very unfortunate that a lot of lies, just flat-out lies, have been propagated and continue to be propagated by a certain group of people here in Florida and, and across the nation. Um, lies are being told right there in Lake County every day. And I don't want to dignify that bunch of nonsense by being specific, but I'm speaking to as many different groups as I can today, whether it be Rotary Club, Lions Club, Garden Club, or any other organization, church groups, or anybody 
that is interested in having the, the truth about elections administration. I have a great com- combined set of facts that we just talk about the facts. You know, when people are going to work at a bank as a bank teller, they train with genuine U.S. currency. Those U.S. dollar bills are all they train. The banks want their employees to develop the tactile sense of what a genuine dollar bill feels like. That way, if they do have a counterfeit bill come through, it will stand out and they'll recognize it. Well, I'm taking that same approach to the elections business. I'm arming the people with the facts. And then when they hear the nonsense that's being propagated by some people, then they'll identify it as being false and they can ignore it and go on because they're armed with the facts. And kind of, kind of uh, you know, follow up to, to, to your to you know, your comments and you may you know, and that's one thing I wanted to point out too is that Governor DeSantis, as he said many times, uh, talks about the fact that Florida, um, you know, I would say comparatively speaking, um, had didn't have any, you know any any dispute uh, or legitimate dispute, if you will, mm-hmm. um, of of our elections in the state of Florida. Can you talk about um, you know what from your perspective you as a supervisor of of a le- of leading county in Florida Lake County, uh, what are maybe some things that 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 we did in Florida that, that you and your other supervisors of elections did in Florida that to ensure you know uh, efficient elections of integrity? Very very good question. One of the first things that we do is is we never send a vote by mail ballot to any voter who hasn't requested to have one sent to them. That voter's record has in it a request from that voter or somebody in that voter's family to mail them a vote-by-mail ballot. When that ballot comes back to us, the voter's signature has to be on that return envelope. Every single signature is checked against the signature on file in that voter's record. We don't go through and sample a random group of them. We check every single signature. If that signature does not match one of the signatures in that voter's record, we never open that envelope. The voter is notified. We have an issue with your signature. Here's some steps that you must take to, if you want to have your ballot counted. And we tell them what those steps are. We give them the deadline is 5 p.m. on Thursday after the election. They have to have all of those steps completed. And if those steps are completed, then we're happy to open that envelope and count their ballot. But if we don't have that of completed reconciliation by 5 p.m., the envelope never gets opened. So that's one thing to to assure everyone of the integrity of the vote-by-mail system. The, the signature must match. Those signature matchings are done by trained personnel who have gone through a two-hour course in signature recognition. There are eight specific points that we look at to compare to uh, to determine whether this, the two signatures match or not, so it's a rather involved process. Uh, very very interesting, very informative. Thank you very much for speaking with Alan Hayes. He's a supervisor of elections in Lake County. Prior to that, he also served in the Florida legislature as well. And that was about what was was that eight years, if I'm not mistaken, Alan? No, I did six years in the House of Representatives, and then I did six more years in the Senate there in Tallahassee. And can we'll take it? We're on a, up on our first break. Friends, please stay with us. And when we come back, I'd like to talk more, a little bit more specifics about information that Alan Hayes can share with us, all of our citizens, as to how we can, um, you know, things, you know, 
just nuts and bolts of, of how we can, can vote more efficiently and, and the various ways that we can do that. Before we go to break, friends, I want, of course, I want to give you this word from our friends over at Miller Sod Sales and let you know that as we enter a brand new year, the great people at Miller Sod Sales encourage you to green up your life in 2024. Miller Sod Sales, the great people at Miller Sod Sales are very proud of the clean, well-maintained equipment, their high standard of customer service, and of course, their fresh quality sod. Family owned and operated since 1995. And you can find out more at John Miller Trucking and Sod Sales.com. That's John Miller Trucking and Sod Sales.com. Also, before we go to break, uh, once again, starting a brand new year, big part of having a, a good, successful year is having your car in good shape. I want to let you know about our friends at Sheeler Auto Repair. If you or anyone you know is looking for a car repair shop that will take care of your automobile with old-school honesty, integrity, and dependability, I urge you to get over to see Demetrius and Odysseus Virgos at Sheeler Auto Repair. You can trust the guys at Sheeler Auto Repair. It's where I take my car. I've been taking it there for over 21 years. They're located 1908 South Orange Blossom Trail of Popkin. Well, friends, we'll be right back with our guest, Alan Hayes, Supervisor of Elections in Lake County. Please stay with us. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Friends, it's great to be with you today. Here still, as we are early in a brand new year, hope your year's going well. want to thank you for the opportunity to join you today. So we talk about the issues that affect us in our community, our state, and our nation. And as you know, we talk about those issues on our program, the Roger Frank and William Show, from a perspective that honors America's founding traditions of God, family, country. And speaking of topical issues, we, uh, with of course, with 2024 is not only an election year, it's a presidential election year. Uh, the 2024 elections, I'm sure, are at the forefront of virtually every citizen's mind, and I would say every citizen's mind that listens to our stations and our program. And we're speaking with the Supervisor of Elections from Lake County today, Alan Hayes. We'll go back to Alan in just a moment. Before we go further, though, I want to give a shout out to the guys up at Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. And let you know, as we begin a new year, I want you to know that Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair is our one-stop headquarters for all of our lawn and garden needs. They carry only the best outdoor power equipment products and the best lawnmowers in the business. You can find out more about them at apopkinmower.com. That's apopkinmower.com. Apopkin Mower and Equipment Repair is where they sell the best and they fix the rest. They're located conveniently on the north side of Apopka at the corner of Plymouth Sereno Road right there on Highway 441. And be sure, don't forget about their new location in Umatilla. You know, back to Alan Hayes, Supervisor of Elections for Lake County. You know, and to go back to kind of the important topic we were addressing, in, you know, in the before we went to break, Alan, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, election integrity, of course, is an issue that's pop, come, come mm-hmm. to the forefront um, in recent years, especially after the, the last presidential election. One thing 
I think in all areas of life, and I would put myself in this category, the advent of, of the Internet and the advent of, of moving to a, to a world, if you will, where so much is done online, mm-hmm. I think causes uh, you know many people, maybe even most people, a, li- a little uh, are a little disconcerted by that because they don't know exactly what the heck's going on out there, <laughs> and 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 that it, that has an application for our elections process too. Can you can you address that? Well, sure. One of the one of the things is is to let the world know that we too are in the modern age. We use uh, email all the time uh, between the different offices, and our constituents email us with requests, and we email them back and forth, and, and this sort of thing. Uh, if if a, a vote by mail um, voter uh, has an issue with their signature, we can even notify them by email or by text message or by telephone that there's an issue. We also send them. A, a U.S. mail a letter and, and a instructions on how to correct the problem, but the the age of instant communications is, has been embraced by the election community. I hasten to add to that, though, that we have multiple layers of security. Um, we have our email system works on one Internet system. Our voter registration database is in a separate silo, and our tabulation system is doesn't even use the internet. That's one of the big myths that we like to dispel immediately. There is no utilization of the internet with our tabulation system. So forget all that nonsense. It just doesn't happen. The tabulators themselves are electronic devices. The state law requires each supervisor to use electronic tabulation equipment but they are only authorized to use the equipment that has been certified by the Bureau of Standards at the Division of Elections in Tallahassee. There are only two companies that have earned that certification. One is called Dominion. One is called ES&S. I know that Seminole County, Orange County, Osceola County, and Lake County, uh, let me back up. I'm not sure about Osceola County, but I believe Osceola, but I know for sure Orange, Lake, and Seminole Counties all use ESNS equipment. Most, uh, and I believe Osceola County does as well. But those tabulation devices don't even have a connection to the internet. So if anybody tries to tell you that someone has hacked into the tabulation system and changed some votes, you can look at them and say, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and if you want to, tell them Alan Hayes said that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that uh, direct clarification. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Now, once again, to follow up that and along those similar lines, we spoke off the air a little bit um, about, and you mentioned to me that, that some of the, the processes, if you will, that you utilize in Lake County, we've got a lot of listeners in Lake County, but of course mm-hmm. we've got listeners in Orange and, and Seminole as well, in Osceola, even Brevard, but you'd made the point to me that um, some of the, the local offices in Central Florida, different counties in Central Florida, mm-hmm. um, are, 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 you know, use some similar processes. Mm-hmm. You know, would, can you, you know, share about that with our listeners? Yes, I can. And it's really pretty simple because this, the Florida Election Code consists of chapters 97 through 106 of the Florida statutes. And almost everything that every supervisor of elections office does all across the state is regulated by that election code and the rules that have been promulgated by the Division of Elections. People can't just come into the Office of Supervisor Elections and all of a sudden decide, oh, well, I'm going to do it this way. No, everything you do has to be complied with the state statutes and those rules. So it's, it's very prescriptive. What we can do, when we can do it, 
we have to blend the federal laws relating to federal elections along with the state laws as well. For instance, when we're doing our list maintenance activities to to make sure that our voter records are up to date and current, uh, federal law prevent, prohibits us from removing anybody from active voter status within 90 days prior to a federal election. So all of our uh, moving from active to inactive has to be done before that 90-day deadline. The the dates on which we can mail out the ballots, the deadlines for receipt of those ballots. That's one very important deadline is 7 p.m. on election night. Every vote-by-mail ballot has to be in the office of the supervisor of elections. It can't be in the post office. It makes no difference what the postmark says on that envelope. If that envelope is not in our office by 7 p.m. on election night, we cannot count the ballot that's inside of it. There's just a whole lot of... Now, what, are these Florida, Florida regu- state of Florida oh, yeah, regulations? Yeah, they're Florida regulations. They sure are. And again, Florida is, is, has an outstanding... That, that particular specific issue was one of the things that's been in, you know, endowed or caused people heartburn yeah, yeah, around yeah. in other states around exactly. the country. Yep, you're exactly right. And, and it's un- unfortunate. And that's one of the reasons why Florida is the model for the nation is because we do have those hard deadlines. And it's, it's very plain. 7 p.m. is 7 p.m., period. And so we have to have it. The only the only flexibility here in Florida is the western part of Florida is in the central time zone, but it's still 7 p.m. local time that that deadline has to be met. Friends, we're glad you're joining us on the Roger Frank and William Show today as we're continuing to ease into a brand new year. Hope your January is going well. Right now we're speaking with Alan Hayes. He's a supervisor of elections for Lake County. And now, Alan, I'd like to get into maybe some more uh, nuts and bolts um, about just the the voting process as relates to citizens and just really uh, very you know, basic processes. You know, I, I generally, well, I'm, I always, I'm, I'm an old school voter. I'd like to show up on Election Day mm-hmm. uh, for various variety of reasons. Um, I just like to, like to witness the whole process of sure. people going to vote on this particular day. But, you know, as, as we all know, things have evolved recently. Now there's multiple ways you can vote. Mm-hmm. Um, say, for instance, somebody like me who decides, well, hey, I think I want an absentee ballot this year. How, how, how does that work? How do they go about getting one? You can call the office. You can send us an email. Uh, you can go online even and request it. So we're, we're very flexible in how you do it. Now, if you call, or you send us, we're going to have to have certain uh, data points of identification. We have to have either your driver's license number, the last four digits of your Social Security number, one of those two. We have to have that, your address, your date of birth, these types of things. Um, we're we're very prescriptive in what data points we have to collect before we're authorized to mail you that ballot. But if if folks don't want to vote by mail, they can they can early vote in person. Um, each county is allowed to choose uh, any number of voting sites uh, depending on their population distribution and and the availability of sites. That's one of the things that people don't think much about is what criteria do we measure a, a potential site when we're choosing our early voting locations, you know, and there's just a whole lot of, of different things that have to be factored into those decisions. And then, of course, Election Day is a different set, <clears throat> excuse me, of circumstances that we have to evaluate those criteria as well. But you have to show up if you're going to vote in person with a photo identification card with your signature and your picture on it. Most people use their Florida driver's license. It doesn't do any good to come with a, a Georgia driver's license or from any other state. It has to be a Florida driver's license. 
Uh, you can use multiple you know, military identification card, got your signature and your picture on it. And there's several others, a, a list of about 10 or 12 different um, identification methods that are acceptable for that in-person voting. And then you're issued a ballot, you mark the ballot, you put it in the tabulation machine and go home, put your I voted sticker on and enjoy yourself. Um, so it's it's really a pretty straightforward system. And fortunately, we have refined the process so well that to the average voter coming in, it's very smooth and and uneventful almost, you know. But they have no idea what all went on. Each of those election workers that are manning that polling place, from the person who greets you when you come in the door to the one that puts the I sticker, uh, I voted sticker uh, in your hand, all of those people have been specifically trained for that position in which they're working, and they're trained for that particular election. This year, we're training for the presidential election in March. We're training for the primary in August, and we have to train those same workers again for the November general election. It's a very thorough process that we go for. The uh, the transmission of the data from the polling places back to our office on election night is somewhat like driving down an interstate highway that has no entrance ramps and no exit ramps. The the We use a, a cellular phone system. The cell phone that's in that tabulation device has a specific number assigned to it. The receiver in our office has been programmed to be accessible only to those phone numbers, and we put that specific phone number in that receiver. So if uh, someone from another phone number tries to get into that receiver, they're blocked. And so that's the, the security of that. That data that is being transmitted is encrypted before it ever leaves that tabulation machine. So we're sending encrypted data over a zero-access tunnel is the technical name for it, and then we download it, <clears throat> we then put it on our website, and then we send it to Tallahassee. That memory stick that comes out of that tabulation device comes to our office that night. We have two people in the chain of custody handling that device at all times. We never have only one person handling it. And then the next day, the data in that memory stick is compared to the data that was transmitted the night before to make sure they're identical. And it's it's just checks and balances, checks and balances everywhere we go to make sure the integrity is not breached. Very interesting and quite quite a process, and I think we can feel confident that you're at the helm in Lake County as the Lake County Supervisor of Elections. It is indeed a privilege, and, and I thoroughly enjoy the job. And thank you for this uh, very informative discussion. Friends, we're going to go to a break in just a moment. Before we you know, want to thank Alan Hayes, Supervisor of Elections in Lake County, for joining us today. And we'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Please stay with us. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now here's Roger. And this is my turn. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And friends, it's great to be with you on a wonderful Sunday afternoon in a brand new month, the month of January. And of course, January is going by rapidly. It's a huge year, as we all know presidential election year, other very important elections. It was great to get the insights of Lake County Supervisor of Elections, Alan Hayes. Found that to be very informative, and I hope that you did as well. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit, uh, I guess fairly dramatically, and we're going to 
talk some college football on our show today, and we have a wonderful guest, Lee McGriff. Many of you will remember Lee McGriff as an outstanding all-Southeastern Conference wide receiver for, for the Florida Gators back during the 1970s. His career was 1972 to 1974, and he was an all-SEC wide receiver. In fact, he led the SEC in receiving both in various, various numerous receiving categories in both his junior and senior year. He was also the um, voted the most valuable player um, by the seniors his senior year. He received the Fergie Ferguson Award, which is Florida football's most prestigious award, and it's voted on by the players, by his fellow teammates. And he was an, um, um, also an all-SEC performer as well, as I mentioned. Also played in the Sugar Bowl after at the end of his senior season, which was 1974. And anyway, you probably know him better even as um, in younger generations of, of football fans will know him better as the longtime color analyst on Florida Gator football broadcast on the Gator radio network. So we're going to talk to Lee McGriff about a variety of things. Uh, we'll talk about the state of college football right now. We'll talk about uh, Lou Saban's um, retirement and some of the uh, implications there. And we're also going to speculate on some of the reasons. And then we'll also talk, of course, Gator football as well. We begin our conversation with, I shared with Lee McGriff how much that his dedication, his hard work, his perseverance had impacted me as a youngster back in the day and how much I still respect uh, just his approach to the game, his old school approach to the game, if you will, based on hard work perseverance, and commitment to excellence. Now let's go to today's conversation with Gator great Lee McGriff. I will say this. There have been a lot of great players at the University of Florida, uh, some greater than I, but there's never been anyone that loved to play or it meant more to to be a Gator than me. Uh, it, it was really, really important to me, and it was um, – it was an extraordinary experience in my life. And I do, let me just add this too, because, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I obviously, as we've talked about many times off the air, you know, I witnessed your career. I saw you play numerous times, both in person at, at Florida Field and on television. And, uh, you know, you, that coincided, your career coincided when I was in high school. And you were a true role model for me, um, you know, in what I was attempting to do. And but but the thing I, I want our listeners to know, um, and many of them probably know about the All SEC career, and uh, you know that you were the leading receiver in the SEC and a, a Gator great and all that. Many people may not know you began it all as a as a walk on. In fact, you were largely overlooked not only by um, most Division One programs, Power Four. Pro- Power Five programs, but even by the Florida Gators to to a certain extent. I mean, you really had to literally fight your way, you know, on into the uh, into the program, if you will, through through perseverance. And, and then once you got there, you literally had to you begin at the lowest level, and you had to claw your way up to the top of the the depth chart. So so your story is really a phenomenal a story of 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 not just ability, uh, but of belief in yourself and per, persistence and hard work. Well. Thank you again, and you know, R- Roger. Um, I, I played high school in in Tampa at Plant High School, and you know, relative to those times throwing the ball, um, I, I had a good high school career. 
it wasn't like if I'd have been at Lakeland Kathleen with David Bowden where they threw it every down. So Plant High School was more conservative. But, um, you know, I was in the top of Hillsborough County of receivers. But, you know, I'm not very big and didn't fit the prototype by any stretch. And um, some of my closest friends at, at, at Plant, including my roommate, at, at Florida, Jimbo Kynes, there was four or five guys. They all got scholarships to different places. I, I was so embarrassed for so many years that I was a walk-on. But it's interesting, as you go through your your life's journey, um, it eventually became one of the things I'm most proud about in my life. And And for all the reasons you said is what it took to do it, not, not, not just – you know, being a football player, but what it took emotionally and internally to go through that and, um, you know, earn the chance to play and earn the chance to, to get a scholarship uh, requires a lot. Uh, I have great respect for walk-ons because, um, because I know what it takes internally to go through that gauntlet. And it, it, it really shaped my life for the positive. And uh, I, I may have benefited more than than any scholarship player coming out of high school because I did have to go through that. That that goes back to, you know, it has to mean a lot to you to go through that. So it became something I'm very proud of. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, a, a wonderful story of, of perseverance, and it's uh, it's always gratifying me to to think about about your journey there. I. I, and and I, I was going to, you know, as we talked about off the air, I was going to ask you about Nick Saban's retirement first. But I think you know, the conversation we're having right now leads into another question I was going to ask a little bit later. And and that is about the bowl games and what bowl games have evolved into now which with numerous players opting out of the bowl games. And, you know, with with, with yeah, you know, the story of your career, your perseverance, your desire, your passion. Um, what what is what is your perspective on the way things have evolved to the, to this point in college football? It, so specifically in terms of the bowl game opt outs. Well, you know, during during our time, and you know, even for lots of years following, unthinkable that someone that was a part of a team that went to a bowl would sit out because uh, because they were going to the or hope to go to the NFL, hope to get drafted, or even the concept of, you know, I'm going to transfer. Um, uh, first of all, back in the day, there were, it, it, it's it's either 11 or 12. There were only 12 bowls, I will use that number, there was only 12 bowls in the entire country when, when during my years in, in the early to mid, well, not quite mid, but early 70s. So, you know, you get to the Sugar Bowl, you've done something. And if if you're if you're you had to be a top twenty five team at the very least to get to a bowl back in the day. And, you know, you, you you went you went through everything you went through with your teammates to earn the right to go to a bowl. And I don't know that that's the feeling um anymore because there's so many bowls and you can you can even have a losing record. Uh, if there's not enough six and six teams to go to a bowl, so it that would just have been unthinkable. Uh, you know, we played in the Sugar Bowl, and and on my team, uh, you know, uh, Glenn Cameron was a first round pick, Ralph Ortega was a second round pick, Burton Lawless was a second round pick. 
unthinkable that they would not have played in the Sugar Bowl. So, you know, times are different, and, and I recognize that. But for me, uh, being old school, it, it's, it's, just, it's just hard to imagine that after you've gone through everything you've gone through, you've, you've played the season, you're deeply connected with your teammates, and you're going to go play another game and for seniors, for seniors, your last one with, with, with the Gators, and you'd walk away from it. It, it. I just really struggle with it. Logically, you you can get me to – I understand, you know, got an indication I'm going to be a first-round draft choice. I understand. But, wow. And it's really disappointing. Of course, I scratch my head what makes the Bulls want to keep going because uh, so many of these uh, bowl games are playing with teams that, that it's not even the team that was invited to the bowl because of all the people that have opted out for, for different reasons. So it's very disappointing. And uh, but there's so much going on in college football that that's just um, out of control and unmanageable. I really, literally, don't know how uh, a D- Division One, especially a Power Five uh, coach, whether you're a head coach or an assistant coach, I don't know how you manage all that's going on between transfers and and opt-outs and and nil and and all of it it's 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 unmanageable right now and when people say well it's just like pro football not at all it is far more out of control than pro sports no exactly the nfl's got got rules and structure you know they're you know this is a complete contract as you know you have a contract and you can't you know i can't be playing for the tampa bay bucks and just say and, and, and sign a contract. If, you know, I, I have a contract, and of course, it's the team that pays me, not not somebody just you know from outside the organization. The Tampa Bay Bucks pay me, but I get at the end of the year and say, you know what, I think I want to go to the Dallas Cowboys and just go. Well, you can't do it. You can't do it in in pro football. So it, it is it is crazy. It, it is crazy. And that leads you know, back to the original question, and you know, of course, a huge story uh, was Nick Saban announcing his retirement. The you know, obviously, longtime Alabama coach um, who just had extraordinary success uh, in college football, especially you know, not not limited to Alabama, but certainly at Alabama. Um, can can you share your thoughts um, and maybe even some insights about Nick Saban stepping down uh, at, at at this time? Well. I don't know him, <laughs> um, and y- y- you know, um, I know it's been guessed at because that's the best anybody can do. Is um, some of all of this? He may have reached the point where it's so out of control. He's had been so ultra successful, worked so hard. And he may be at the at the at the crossroads of saying, "I don't need any more of this." And what I have to do to stay on top, I'm not not willing to do. And that doesn't mean just work hard, even though he's talked about that some. It's just this is so unmanageable, and I don't want to be a part of it. He hadn't said that, but that would not surprise me if that's not behind his thoughts. No, I I agree, and um, you know, I I watched. It was a great interview done by Reese Davis, um, with him. I mean, very quickly, I went within twenty four hours apparently after he stepped down, and you know, Reese Davis actually asked him that question: Did the current landscape 
contribute to your your decision? And he basically said no. He downplayed it, but I, I don't know. I I, I think it ha- you, know, you know he may want to give that answer for whatever reasons he did. But I I just I gotta you know knowing what I know about Nick Saban from afar, like you said, I don't know him, but I, I've certainly observed him very closely for about twenty years now. Um, I, I think it had to be a, a part of, of of why he stepped in the side. Um, but but back to Nick Saban. You know, and I know you've closely observed him too. Obviously, with him being right in the SEC, and what were some of the, um, say, one or two or three of the top qualities, if you will, that Nick Saban had that that led to his success? What are the, some of the things that he did that maybe other guys didn't do, or maybe he was better at um, that that allow him to just literally basically conquer the mountain of college football the way he did? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 it again. I don't know him. I've never lived with him. You know, work with him. But from the outside, he's extremely disciplined, extremely consistent. He obviously has great organization skills. And you know, just because somebody calls himself coach doesn't make him a great teacher. I think he is. I think he's a great teacher, and therefore he knows what a teacher looks like. Um, and and so. He's he's been able to to uh, even though um, <laughs> I know he's not um, the, as he got older as did Bear Bryant gets a little more gracious a little bit more tempered a little bit more under control there there were plenty of years that, that he was not somebody that you really could enjoy working for but they would do it because because he won and coaches are trying to. Um, you know, to, to, to climb the ladder and, and so not easy to work for, for a long time. Um, but nonetheless one, and, uh, you know, the discipline of recruiting, the consistency and, and making sure your staff does their job, being organized for practice, have a plan, you know, um, all those things, and obviously he's an, he. I think I've said it, but he had to be an effective recruiter because you can be a great coach, and if you don't have good players, um, then then you're not going to win. Of course, you can have good players if you're not a good coach and win. So he he's able to do both. Um, so I, you know, those are the obvious things to me uh, uh, about him, um, and he he stayed he stayed very engaged all the way till he's 70 years old and that job is a draining demanding job no i i, I think um you know you, you really hit some key factors there and again uh, you know, like i i've only know about him what i've you've seen in the media i've never even met him but as i said before i've really closely observed him and these are the kinds of things i pay attention to you know as a former coach myself and you know somebody who started playing sports when i was 7 years old so this is the kind of i've really really been fascinated observing him over these years, and I think I'll just elaborate. Before we've got a break coming up, and before we go to that break, I'll just hit a couple things you said. I think, yeah, obviously, the relentless work ethic. I mean, you know, even if he wasn't that great of a coach, I think he would win a certain amount of games just because of you know the grind, the way he the grind he put himself through. Um, as you and you said, consistently coupled with organizational skills, but. But I think going above beyond the work hard because you know there are a lot of coaches that are five hundred coaches that work really really hard, um, work harder than a lot of other coaches. So, you know, I think he did have have like an aptitude uh, for for lack of a better word. He 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 he, he was a good coach. He had he had good coaching skills. Um, 
and but then also, as you said, he was an outstanding recruiter, and a lot, a lot of that's just the grind of it, the organization and the grind of it. But obviously, he was able to utilize his personality uh, to to recruit in a big time way. Um, so, so yeah, I, and I and I think I think one thing that really stands out stands out to me as I watch these various profiles of him of Nick Saban is and I and I take everything I see in any kind of a media television radio internet with a huge grain of salt so I have to factor that in but you know there'll be there'll be a, this video of him at practice uh, or even coaching a game and you know, he's not some kind of you know uh, chairman of the board CEO type he's got his sleeves rolled up he's down there on the practice field coaching up players and and yeah. I think that's one thing that really you know, really you know set him apart too is is he had all those organizational skills, program building skills, et cetera. But at the same time, he could get out there on the field and coach up a player. Yeah, and and I do think, uh, by all accounts, he stayed very engaged. And, you know, he, he was a defensive back at Kent State. That's where he played. And um, and, he, and he coached the secondary for most, most of his life, defensive backs. And he did, even when he was a head coach, because that's, that's, he's walking around. And he's paying attention to to everything, but he would spend his time and specifically, and you, I'm sure you've seen those videos too. Him teaching, teaching technique, and being very, very dis- disciplined, but but tedious in his teaching methods, and demanding that of his coaches. And uh, so I'm, I, I agree with you. He stayed he stayed very current, very very. Very present. He wasn't a he was a CEO, but his hands were dirty. Friends, hope you're enjoying today's program. Right now, our conversation with Gator great Lima Griff, talking about a variety of aspects of college football. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. You're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now back to the studio. Here's Roger Franklin Williams. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. Of course, Christner's is where you'll find generous servings of prime beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication. Reservations recommended. You can get those at 407 645-4443. Just a moment, we'll go back to our conversation about college football in general, and in this segment specifically about Florida Gator football with former Gator great Lee McGriff. Of course, Lee McGriff was a all-SEC wide receiver in 1973 and 1974, where he led the Southeastern Conference in multiple receiving categories. He's also, of course, the longtime color analyst on the Florida Gator radio network for Florida Gator football broadcast. He stepped aside from that post um, after uh, two seasons ago. Now, as we go back to Lee, our conversation with Lee McGriff, I asked Lee about what is his assessment of the current state of Florida Gator football at this moment? As objective as I can be is, one, I want – Billy Napier to succeed and everything I see uh, the, the, the guy acts with some class and dignity he has respect for people um, I think he works 
really hard, speaking of working hard. I think he really cares about his players. Um, but he, too, has all of these sideshows going on with the transfer portal and NIL. And what makes it so hard for me to have an intelligent opinion is the nature of coaching and what's involved is so new that any of us that, that coached in the past, um, you know, the, the on the field coaching, the watching film or tape and the technical part of coaching, that's one thing. And, you know, we, we, we recruited, but the way the NIL works today, every, every, a football coach in the history of the NCAA that ever got uh, punished or fired or penalized for cheating should all be <laughs> forgiven and and uh, because what you can do now with the NIL makes all those things look like child's play. Nothing. Nothing. So how do you manage? How do you manage if you're coaching ETN and he's had two really good years at the University of Florida, and is one of the stars of the team. Uh, you can't stop Georgia from offering him a lot of money. None of us know what that is, but you can speculate. How do you manage that? How do you manage um, that, you know, guys that you've worked your tail off to recruit, you get them here, you're bringing them along, and, uh, you know, the transfer portal to go anywhere they want, and, and, of course, mixed in with the transfer portal is the NIL, in my opinion. And and so um, th- there's so much going on, I don't know how to judge Billy Napier. I don't really know how to judge. You know, when somebody's winning, you say, well, he sure is doing a great job. Well, yeah, sure. But, but um, you know, uh, the, the, the media that follows the Gators is, is deeply concerned about all the people that have transferred out. But if you take a breath and, and look around at Georgia or Alabama or whoever, they got guys leaving like crazy. And everybody's shuffling the deck. So um, I don't know. I know we've had two losing seasons. That certainly isn't good. And it's uh, been a long time since that's happened at the University of Florida. So that's very concerning. It is very concerning, but um, you know the the team we had last year, uh, unlike in the past, you, I don't know who's on our team this year coming up. So you know you, you depending on how you handle the portal and recruiting still you know in in the picture. Uh, I, I don't know, and of course. Um, you certainly deal with the, the very presence of, of social media uh, uh, alone, and and so so many people have a voice to critique you. And when you're out recruiting, you know the, these players that, that you're recruiting, they're all into social media. So what they hear and and what information they get, whether it's true or false, you you man, you 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 just you got to deal with that as a coach. So. Um, you know, I, I I do know that Billy Napier and everybody would say, well, of course he is, but I think he's he's working his tail off to try to make this work. And I know Scott Strickland thinks there's no finer person on this earth than Billy Napier. 
and he's you know he's he's uh, hitching his wagon to, to to Billy Napier. I want him to do good, and I hope he does. I really do. But to say I'm sure he will or I won't uh, or, or or he won't do good, I, if I'm honest, I don't know. There's just such confusion, and uh, of course. We, we we can't go without mentioning what a schedule the Gators have next year. Oh, my goodness. You know, you're adding to the SEC schedule, which is always difficult. You're adding Texas, and then you've got non-conference games of UCF and Miami. Uh, our schedule, even if you had a great team this year, would be really challenging next year. Oh, yeah, the last five games are, are a true gauntlet. But uh, you know, thank you for sharing your insights. And I'll just yeah, we're down to about our last two minutes. But as as we wrap up, I'll just add a little bit of what you said. And, and like you, I um, agree a hundred percent. I really like Billy Napier, and I really am pulling for him to succeed. I want him to succeed. I think that's the best possible outcome for Florida Gator football in general is for Billy Napier to succeed. Um, but yeah, I'm also concerned about the challenges. And one of the things that I think has happened to Billy Napier specifically and Florida football and other coaches as well. But it's, you know, this whole shifting, dramatically shifting landscape, you know, this, this, uh, you know, level 10 you know, earthquake on the Richter scale, uh, things have changed so dramatically the way that you go about trying to win now. Uh, I, it looks like it might be quite a bit different than, you know, the way that he, he, he learned how to win basically. Or, or no question. In, and I think this relates to Saban as well, whether he wants to admit it or not, you know, no um, question. So that's one thing that I mean, it's not only a concern for Florida Gators, it's a concern for everybody, but but it's a concern for the Florida Gators as well. And and just to elaborate on, on you know the points that you made, the, the the best most succinct way that I've seen this whole situation um, summed up, and this is specifically about the transfer portal, uh, was I went to a, a, a meeting at Orlando Touchdown Club meeting um, at Dubstrad in Orlando where Gus Melzahn spoke. And he got a question, you know, similar to the questions I'm asking you. And he said, look, just he goes, the way, we're at a point now in college football where you have to recruit your own players every day. <laughs> and there's no question about that. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know, you know, this is part of the, the ridiculous rules, which is where there's, there's really got to be some major change in the governing body of NCAA football and, and what the rules are. But – you know, supposedly, well, not supposedly, technically, the coaches can have no part of the NIL. But if I'm coaching the running backs and I'm coaching ETN, and he comes to me and says, Coach, you know, I I, I need a better NIL deal, uh, I may be leaving. Or you got the backup running back who's really a good player and just says, hey, you're you're letting another guy – carry the ball 15 times a game. I only get to carry it five. And he's got a great NIL deal. If you gave me the ball 15 times, I'd have a great NIL deal and make making money. And I'm, I'm not making anything now. What's the coach supposed to do? Because technically, he can't go out and make an NIL deal. But the player's going to go to the coach. And so, now how do you manage that player as a coach? Because he's saying, hey, I'm protecting myself because I'm out of here. And then you don't have the same player. It is just really, really difficult. And and again, as you said, it's everywhere. 
it's not just at the University of Florida. It's everywhere. But it's really hard to judge, since we talked about the Gators specifically, are we, is Billy Napier and staff doing everything really, really well to, to get back on top? I know he's trying. I don't know how to judge it. I used to have some educated opinion about what that needed to look like. It's a new day. Friends, hope you've enjoyed today's program. I want to say thank you to our guest, Lake County Supervisor of Elections, Alan Hayes, and Gator great Lee McGriff. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.